Carrero podcast. Before we get started, we would wish to inform our listeners Carrero is supported by edX Global, an international nonprofit where we work with K 12 students as they work with their local and global communities, providing service learning activities. In 2022, we are asking for your support to raise $20,000 to assist our students in their activities in creating gardens for schools and communities, purchasing and delivering blankets for the homeless, providing curriculum for teachers across the world purchasing backpacks and filling them with educational items for students in need, and collecting and delivering food and toiletry items for local homeless organizations. You can donate with Venmo using at edx-global, or you can use our website at edxglobal.org and donate. We appreciate your support. Thank you. Hello, this is Malia Hoffman, and I'm here with Fred Ramirez, and this is the Carrero Podcast. Today, our guest is Dr. Ruth Reynolds. Dr. Reynolds is a retired public school teacher and university professor. She taught seventh and eighth grade students with special needs, mostly students with learning difficulties or behavioral issues for 34 years. She then retired to teach in a small Christian university to help launch and teach in a special education teacher ed program. In May, 2020, she retired once again and is now enjoying traveling throughout the country and Europe to visit her seven grandchildren. Welcome Ruth, thanks for joining us today. Can you tell us what are some of the reasons why you wish to serve students with special needs? I think that um, students with special needs need people that uh, that care. And so people that care about them and care about the community. So why do um, I want to serve them? Um, I don't know. I guess it's just something I've done my whole <laughs> life. And so it's just kind of who I am. I can walk through the grocery store and I see kids, you know, you can kind of pick out the kids that are, are my kids, so to speak. And so it's like I just have a heart for them. So why do I want to serve them? I guess because they need me. <laughs> Oh, you, you know, and, and Ruth, I was I was looking over information that you sent and it, it shared, and you shared that you started your your BS in in special ed and elementary ed in 1972, and this was what two or three years right right before the right before our special ed acts. Well, yeah, yeah public law. I mean, I you know, in the university, I would teach the history thing. So, public law 94-142 was nineteen seventy two that it was enacted. And of course, we know it doesn't get right into the schools that fast. So, yes, I can I tell a little story about my... we love stories. Please <laughs> so tell us stories. Remember, so, as a as a college freshman, I remember I went to Northern Illinois. Um, no, I went to Illinois State, which in Illinois is the teacher college to go to. And so I went to Illinois State, and um, I remember sitting in the hall of freshman education people at the time, and a man got up, which I now know is probably the dean of education, but he got up and talked with us. And, you know, here I am, this, what are you, 18 years old? And I knew, I, I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I just knew that. And so he stood up and said, 900 of you that are here or whatever he said um, when you graduate more than half of you will not be able to find jobs Ooh. in education and elementary education and he said so if you want to find a job when you graduate go into special ed hmm. because special ed is the field well I knew nothing about special ed um, the world didn't know much about special ed and so um, but I knew that my parents probably wanted me to get a job and so I went into special ed so it's I, I know another question further on may be 
reasons why people go into special ed, but <laughs> I went into special ed because they told me that's what I should do. Yeah. So um, I knew nothing <laughs> mm-hmm. at the time. And um, it has been an amazing journey for me because really my career has followed the birth, the growth, the development, the changes, oh. um, where special ed is today, 40 years later, um, to kind of see it in the beginning, just from a teacher point of view, um, a, a naive teacher point of view, quite frankly, um, to to be involved with that. And then later on in the last part of my career to be um, actually a professor and a, um, instructing future teachers has just been it's it's amazing and mm-hmm. so when i talk about the history of special ed it's kind of like my history you know so um so, so that's a not, long answer to my reasons but no that's that's wonderful because i was probably one of the first group of kids that went through special ed um through um speech um okay. you know and so and so that so i'm so i'm curious when you when you first started since there probably wasn't a methods book that you know that there probably wasn't a lot of materials for you um you know and i when i preface this saying that when i spoken to speech pathologists now and i've shared with them just what my stories are and they share with and and i tell them how i was trained they're, they're like oh my gosh no we no we don't do that mm-hmm. they're like they're like you know and so and so how, what were some of the things that you were learning, um, looking back, what were, are there things that you were saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe we, we did X. Well, it's just, I mean, the huge thing in my mind is the terminology right now. We talk so much about people with, you know, when we put the person first thing mm-hmm. and that's, I don't know how many years relatively new, I don't know, probably 15 years, maybe 20 years ago, but, um, you know, we put the person first, although a lot of times in conversation, I hear people that don't, you know, Mm -hmm. we talk still about, um, autistic kids instead of kids with autism or, you know, so anyway, the terminology was big. So when I, um, and not to be politically incorrect, but when I was in school, we had the educably and trainably mentally retarded. Mm-hmm. And, and those were the terminologies yeah. that we used. It wasn't anything, you know, I'm not trying to be politically incorrect. That's just what it was. And so, you know, we had um, those kids. I, my, I had kind of an interest. So yes, I started in education in 72, but I took a few years off. Um, I got married in 1974 and I felt like I didn't really know if I wanted to be a teacher because I figured, you know, it was just kind of assumed you would be, I would be a teacher. (laughs) So I took a job as a parapro in a special ed classroom. And so I was a teacher's aide, my young 20 year old teacher's aide in a class with kids with learning disabilities and teaching them how to read and um, all that kind of stuff. And so my turning point came when I was, I think it was my third year of being a, a teacher's aide and a brand new teacher right out of college who was probably my age or a year younger, um, took the job and she knew nothing. And so she just really relied on me as the teacher's aide to tell her exactly what to do in the classroom, which I did because I'd been doing it for three years. So I knew what to do, but I realized 
she's getting paid three times more than what I'm getting paid and I'm doing her job. Mm -hmm. This is not right. And that's kind of what spurred me to go back and finish my next, my last couple of years of school. So I traveled from um, the Western suburbs of Chicago to Northern Illinois. It was over an hour drive each way for about a year and a half um, to finish up my degree. Wow. So, so I graduated at my first job wasn't until 1980. So, um, that kind of, you know, I have a few years in between there that mm -hmm. I did that, but um, I forget what your question was, <laughs> this, but um, so um, I saw, well, anyway, I'll stop there. So I think with um, special education classrooms, they tend to be a little bit smaller. You get to form stronger bonds with your students. Do you have any good success stories of your students that um, maybe kept in touch and that you'd like to share with us? I do. I was, I was thinking about this because, um, you know, in special ed, especially I did mostly middle school special ed. So one, the kids don't want to be there anyway, they're mm -hmm. middle schoolers. Um, two, they have special problems. And so, you know, they don't, they hate they hate school i mean they don't like school school's not a fun place for them so to have lasting relationships with a teacher is pretty hard to do that at that age mm -hmm. but i do have um i have three kids that um, they're not kids they're in their 30s mm -hmm. now but um people that i still now keep in touch with and the first one was um i'll, I'll briefly touch on them but the first one was a, a boy with autism and at that time we didn't really know what autism really was. He, um, um, we call it, you know, he had Asperger's syndrome. It wasn't under the, you know, ASD's umbrella yet. And so he was pretty high functioning, but um, we had a school that was um, fifth, sixth, seventh, eighth grade at the time, middle school. And so he came into our school in fifth grade and our special ed director gave him to me because he lived with his grandparents and not his mom and dad. And um, thinking that he, they would, keep him with me for four years so mm. that I could start. Usually we just take kids for a year or two, but they would give me him to me for four years. So I could form that relationship with the family. And we certainly did. Um, he was um, a challenge. He was probably the first student um, with autism that was in our public school. And so it was a learning experience for me as a teacher, but for our whole school community um, to welcome him in and to accept his, his oddities and, you know, to just, to realize that yes, he can be in regular classes, you know, yeah. So anyway, he was, mm -hmm. he was a big one. So I still um, see him occasionally on Facebook and, um, you know, I have, I have a couple of really good stories with him, but I'll leave that. So, but one guy that I, I really, and I, I just, he's, um, I asked him, he was 30, he's 38 years old now. And so in middle school, he, he was a wreck. He wasn't diagnosed with any learning problems until seventh grade, Wow, which is huge. Yeah. And so he, um, he couldn't read and he, he really could not read. I found out that and one thing that I used with my kids was colored overlays, mm -hmm. if you've yep. heard of those. And so I use um, colored overlays. I was really big into those. And so I used them with him. And he, he 
I used all these different colors and one color, and I don't remember what it was, but I remember him looking at this page when I put this cover over it and he'd lift up the colored page and he'd look underneath at the writing and he put it back down and he'd lift it up and put <laughs> it down. And he looked at me and he said, Mrs. Reynolds, I don't know how you do this, but there's more words on this page on the top than there are on this page underneath. How do you do that? I'm like, I, I don't do that, you know? And so this was, I realized, my gosh, mm -hmm. this boy was trying to read and yeah. we were telling him to read and he could not see all the words on the page mm. because of what was going on between his eyes and his head and yeah. his brain. And so how can you read? when you can't see the words, yeah. I mean, they, they weren't there for him. Mm -hmm. And so people all along had been telling him he was lazy. He was dumb. He was stupid. He was whatever. And so, you know, six years of school, if people tell you that, then you create this image around yourself. So yeah. of course he was a huge behavior problem. Mm -hmm. um, fights all the time. And, you know, they wanted to put him in a in a BD class, a behavior disorder class, and they wanted to move him to a special school and they, all these stuff. And I kept saying, no, 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 he needs to stay here. Yeah. And, and so I really stood up for him. And I think he realized that. Um, I only had him for two years and they went to high school and I still kind of, it was a different district than our elementary school. So I followed him through high school and kind of stayed in touch with his teachers and him and then um, lost track of him. And um, interesting story. So then when I was at the university, I happened to read the paper, which I never read the paper, but I read the paper and I turned to obituaries and I saw this last name and it was his grandmother had passed away. And so I was like, I need to go to this funeral. It was mm -hmm. in my town. So I went and I thought, I'm this kid's not going to recognize me. This has been 15, uh, I don't know how many years. And I said, I'm not going to recognize him. I'm, and so I walked into the visitation of the, for the grandma and, and I didn't know anybody there. Um, on the way I got lost and I kept thinking, why am I doing this? This is so stupid. But anyway, I walked in and from across the room, he saw me and came right over and said, oh, you came. And so it was just kind of one of those, mm -hmm. I call it a God moment, but um, it was one of those moments that, um, that I saw him. So recently again, um, and then years passed and I happened to see him at church, which was another moment. And then just um, the beginning of December, um, his mom passed away. And so I again went to his funeral. And so we've had lunch or no breakfast a couple of times because he's working night shift and all that kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. so we stay in touch and that he has said um, that I was uh, instrumental part in him even being alive today because yeah. he said I he probably wouldn't have if I hadn't um kind of told him that he wasn't as dumb as everybody in his life had told him that he was you were you were the first person to believe in him and gave him gave him hope and yeah in the sense yeah. of like and you know at the time it was just yeah what I did you yeah. know and I didn't think anything of it and um you know I just but um, yeah, yeah, your story gave me goosebumps. I really <laughs> felt that one in the feels. That's wonderful. <laughs> well, it's yeah. And he really, you know, he was, he was, his family was a mess and he was a yeah. mess and he was into drugs and fighting and that, you know, oh. the, the whole bit, I mean, mm -hmm. the whole gambit of, 
of someone who is walking around in the world of people telling them that they aren't, Mm -hmm. you know, they aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. But anyway, so, um, yeah, so he's, he's kind of, yeah, he's kind of one Mm -hmm. of my, my ones that I realized that, oh yeah, I guess I did. But mm-hmm. I have heard throughout the years, I've heard from parents that are like, oh yeah, you had my son, my daughter, we remember you, you know? And and um, there's another girl who I keep in touch with. Um, well, she's now a grown woman older than older than you are, but she, um, she was my first, when she graduated from eighth grade, she made the honor roll. And I can still remember at eighth grade graduation, because our school made a big deal about it, that she was on the honor roll. It was the first time in my life I was on the honor roll. And she was so thrilled with that, Mm -hmm. um, that she had made that honor. So that's amazing. So I guess that, you know, one of the things is in special ed, especially for teachers, and it's such a hard, hard field, but the, the immediate rewards are few and far between yeah and the long-term rewards are few and far between and so you really have to have that intrinsic I love what I'm doing Mm -hmm. um I know that what I'm doing makes a difference um without a whole lot of people patting you on the back yeah Um, the burnout level in special ed is very high for educators so for you to have spent so many years doing it is pretty phenomenal yeah, five to seven, five to seven years yeah. is, uh, is mm-hmm. seven. If you make it past seven in special ed, then your chances are pretty good. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I know. And then middle school on top of that too yep. was, as you know, that's another, another feather, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. But anyway, you know, so. and you and you bring up a you bring up a really good point, Ruth. Um, both your role as a teacher, and then also as a as a kind of a you know within within teacher ed, what would you say for new teachers? What would be the five characteristics in which you would you would wish to be looking for within, within people that wish to teach, if it's in regular ed or special ed? Yeah, one of the, the biggest things that I look for and, and really stress with all our teacher candidates, you know, that I worked with them, um, toward the end of my career was that one, they have to have a love for people. And a lot of times we say a love for kids, but I really think it's more a love for people yeah. because um, we can work with kids. I mean, especially we can work with them until they're 21, 22 years old. And, and a big part is working with their, their families. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just kids. I mean, yes, we have to love kids, but um, it's a love for people. Um, I also think that people need to, um, they need to have a, a sense of um, perseverance. They need to be able to stick with something when it's tough. Um, education, I mean, education today is, is huge. It's, it's awful. It's hard. It's, it's a, it's a challenge. It's, uh, you know, people say, why do you go into education? And, you know, we go into education because I feel we were called to do that. We, yeah. we love that. It's just, it's kind of, I don't know, why do you be a nurse? Why do you be a doctor? Why mm-hmm. do you be a, um, 
you know, a, a bricklayer, it's because you want to do that. And, and then I think um, people also need to have an openness to new ideas, an openness to, um, to change, an openness to um, just an openness, an openness to, um, to realize that maybe your idea that you hold so dear today is not going to be the idea that you hold dear tomorrow yeah. or next year or five years from now, and that that's okay. It's okay to change your opinions mm -hmm. and to be strong enough to say, yeah, that's what I believed then, but it's different now. Um, and the last thing I think is flexibility. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that's maybe the biggest thing is that, and especially in special education, um, you have to be flexible because what you plan today, you know, you make out your plans for the week. Well, yeah, by Monday afternoon, you know that the rest of the week is not going to go as you plan, you know, or by Monday morning at 10 o'clock, um, you know that, you know, your, your rest of the week is not what you're going to do. So flexibility and <laughs> so scheduling, flexibility and thinking, flexibility in, um, in just being able to be flexible yep. with things, to roll with the punches and to know that um, you can do this and that your kids can and your kids, your students are going to pick up on how you as the teacher react to things. So react with patience, react with understanding, yeah. um, react with that calmness, and then they will react the same way. So, Yeah. You know, what, one of the things I very much appreciate about, about your five characteristics is that I was in secondary ed um, and then and then taught secondary teacher teacher ed and one of the things that I would often share with my teacher candidates is that students really don't care about math or history or or social studies or whatever they care about whether or not you care um, and and so I and that's that's my that's my personal bias where I appreciate that that you didn't say that they needed to be an expert in their content area, <laughs> um, you know, be you know because you can learn content. I mean, they could go online and learn it, um, but but they're you know oftentimes it's that it's their it's that personal value system that you're that you're bringing in that oftentimes we could talk about, but we can't teach. You know, we can't teach people to be caring people. We could tell them stories about different different situations and, and things in order to work with families and work with kids and work with communities. So yeah, that's my personal bias. So thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally agree. Um, relationships is, you know, is a big one. And that was, um, I think, you know, when we think back, I think when anybody thinks back of the, the best teachers in their lives, you know, they always ask you, oh, what's the best teacher that you remember? And, and you go, oh, well, yeah, I guess she or he taught something, social studies, <laughs> right. and we're like, mm -hmm. but it was because of that relationship. Mm -hmm. It was because you connected that person cared about who you were, they came and watched you play basketball or play soccer or throw the frisbee across the field, whatever it was you did, mm -hmm. they came and, and, you know, they 
put in some extra time and they cared about who you were. So relationships, I guess, is another one. But I think that's the love for people, the being flexible, all that is kind of that being able to form relationships and to be able to care about people. Yeah, you mentioned um, just like how much work it is and how hard it is to be a teacher and stick it out. Um, What would you recommend for people wishing to get into teaching or even with teaching students with special needs? Yeah, so, um, you know, I, I, well, having recently retired from the university, I'm in touch with a lot of my people that graduated, um, you know, that we had, and we, my university, I kind of helped launch and, and birth, so to speak, the teacher ed special ed program. So we had just a kind of a small group of, of special ed people. So my advice to people that I guess are looking to get into special ed or are in a, t- a teacher ed special ed program um, is just to to realize that, um, you know, that it it will be uh, the probably the most rewarding thing you do and probably the hardest thing you do. And I think, you know, I saw one of the questions you sometimes ask is advice you give to first year teachers. And, and I've had a lot of my first year teachers, especially like now, well, right before Christmas would reach out to me and they're like, I I don't, I don't think I can do this. You know, they've been three months into, into teaching and it's like, I, I can't do this anymore. And, you know, first of all, we are in a time right now with the pandemic and COVID things and everything that it is not a quote normal end quote time. And so beginning teachers, new teachers, veteran teachers, we need to remind ourselves that this is not normal. And so this is not how it's going to be. It's not certainly not how it should be. Um, and so we need to just stick it out. I, it's terrible to say, mm-hmm. but, um, we need to stick it out and just pray for, um, to get to the other side. But, um, I guess advice for new teachers or what I would say is kind of all the things I've said before, you know, have a love for kids, have a love for teaching, have a love for, for what you're doing. And then, um, just know that you've chosen this, you know, you've been chosen to be a teacher. And so um, that to hang in there and to know that what you're doing does make a difference, even though you might not feel it today. And then then how has, and you were referring to it a a little bit, because as we, as as you shared, we're, we're going through this weird point, you know, where, everything is up in flux where, and, and so, um, maybe, maybe taking that part out of it, but I also understand it's very difficult to, to do that. How, how has education changed? Because you're, you're, you're one of those people within (laughs) special ed, as you, you know, as you shared, you were there at the very beginning. Um, how, how has it changed and what, what have been some of, some of the highlights in the field of education, but then also some of your frustrations in, in education? Yeah. So how has it changed? Um, it's huge. First of all, 
I mean, there's always paperwork, so I hate to bring up paperwork, but um, <laughs> but it's a reality of the field. So I, you know, I, I hate to tell people, but really paperwork is, it's a lot better now than it used to be. Um, you know, we didn't have a standardized form before. We used to have to, <laughs> we used to have to write things um, in triplicate. Do you, are you old enough to remember the... <laughs> Not carbon paper. We didn't have to use that, but it was, we used triplicate forms. So there were three forms together. So you have to press really hard to get it to go through, um, you know, and then this five, six, 10 page paper that was this triplicate form. So, and everyone was written out by hand and all that kind of stuff. So now at least it's on the computer. So that's um, been good. Um, the, the one thing that I think has changed so much is that we, and I think as a society, we are more inclusive. And I know we have a long way to go, And um, but we certainly, our kids with special needs are more included now than certainly than they were um, when I started. And kind of the mantra of special ed in the 70s and 80s was kind of, of our whole mentality was give us, your kids give us our kids and we'll fix them <laughs> and that was kind of what we thought about in the 80s and the beginning of the 90s too is that you know give us we can get we can take these kids and we can fix them and then about the 90s and maybe yeah 90s early 200s or 2000 we found out that you know what we can't we can't fix them alone and so then we went to the oh now we need to give them back to regular ed, gen ed. And um, then that was huge. You know, it's like after all those years of educators being told separate, you know, it's kind of that separate and equal. And mm -hmm. I talk about special ed and the civil rights movement really were yeah. intertwined with each other. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, they, they're kind of the same in a way. And so it's an interesting thing to look at the civil rights movement and special ed because they do mirror each other a lot. But anyway, so now, you know, now we, we don't want them separate. We want them to be included. And so all the, the pains that go along with that. Um, but I do believe that because we are including all kids more that we, as a society, we are more accepting of people, of people's differences mm -hmm. and not just learning differences, but then the whole spectrum of differences. So that's my biggest, I think, takeaway, biggest change um, in education is that we I, but hopefully, I guess I'm an eternal optimist so that hopefully we are seeing people as individuals and not as different yeah. as, as we did. And I think a, a difference too, if I can add on to that, is we're not trying to fix anyone or anybody. We're working with them and helping them be successful with the gifts and the tools that they have and providing them with more resources and um, support to be successful in life. Right. And I think, mm -hmm. yeah, I totally agree. And I think that that's the huge, it was kind of, you know, a huge paradigm shift mm -hmm. is that, you know, we don't have to fix you to be quote normal <laughs> right. because what is normal, right. 
um, you know, there, there is no, I mean, what's my normal and your normal and so, you know, who's normal is normal. So it's not, you know, not to fix somebody. It's to exactly, as you said, make that person or help that person to be the best person that they can be. Yep. Good. So you've been in education for 34 years, which is pretty amazing. So congratulations on that. Um, what would you change about, about it in your, based on your experiences, if anything? You know, education, I, I look back on all my years and I, you know, I started out as this very naive, sheltered kind of person. Um, we all do, by the way. Okay, <laughs> I good. think you so. I definitely I was. I felt, I felt bad about that. <laughs> Don't. Like, really? Did I, did I really mm-hmm. think that? Yeah. You know, anyway, so, okay. Well, maybe everybody does. Mm-hmm. And we realize as we get older that, you know, oh, wow, this mm-hmm. is. So anyway, I think, you know, I think education really needs to change. And I, I, I truly believe that these last couple years, have been um, good for education (laughs) that, uh, you know, that again, I'm the optimist, but again, I think that we've realized that um, learning can happen outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. Um, Learning can um, go on. And so, um, so that's, uh, that's one thing, I guess, but I, education, education has to change. We, our education system is built on a system. um, You look way back to the Puritan system, to the farmers, to the, you know, to the, that's, that's how we, this, how the uh, American education was started. You know, the idea, and, you know, I'll go out on the limb here, but the idea that we get three months off in the summer it's just, you know, as much as teachers don't want to hear it, it is, it's an archaic kind of system. Our, we don't need three months off to go help in the fields. No, I love my summers off, but I 100% agree with you. Like that's. There, there's so mm-hmm. much research that says <laughs> our kids don't, mm-hmm. you know, they, they regress so much during that time. Yeah. So spread it out over the years, mm-hmm. still have the, have three months off, but spread spread it out so that it's not as much time. And, you know, I know that, you know, we can't, once you start talking about teachers working more than their 180 days or whatever it is, it gets, then you get into politics and money and all that kind of stuff. So take those same days, but spread it out so that our kids don't lose so much that they do because there's so much that they lose in the two and a half months. Yeah. Months and a lot of countries do it that way. Like I know New Zealand does, and I'm pretty sure a lot of European countries are school year round with, like you said, larger breaks. I mean, think about how burnt out the kids are in that span between when they come back from winter break and they wait for spring break. And it is a long haul. <laughs> it's a marathon. It's a, it's a long haul. And yeah. especially, um, I know that, you know, people will listen to this podcast at different times of year, but January, Mm -hmm. February are such hard, hard months for everybody. And, you know, they, again, you know, the researchers, that's kind of my research thing comes into this, but, Mm -hmm. you know, we know that at the beginning of the year, you start out so excited about things in September, you know, you're like, yes, this is great. And 
October, you're still thinking this is really good. And November, it's like, oh, you know, and then December hits and you're like, oh, yes, we can make it. We can make it to December. And then, (laughs) you know, we we get through those few weeks break right there. And then you come back in January and it's like, Oh my gosh, mm-hmm. January, we don't have a break until yep. March, mm-hmm. April. And so January, February, March months are so difficult. And there's, you know, I kind of look at it as the downhill time and it, it, it really is. It's the, it's the bottom of things. Yeah. And so the, those months are, are truly hard. And then, you know, you add to it, you know, half of our country is in, in winter type weather. And so then you get the, the dark days and the, the long dark days and cold weather and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff added to it. And, um, and so it's hard. And so if we can just survive till spring, then we make it. Yeah. But so change, I think we truly, truly need to look at, at that. Um, we need to look at our, our calendar Mm-hmm. And I know it's not a popular thing, um, but we need to look at that. And also, I'm a big proponent. We really need to look at start times for mm-hmm. school start times. Yeah. Um, especially for you or secondary, Fred, think about your secondary kids. I mean, we know their brains are still yeah. asleep. Yeah. You know? And mm-hmm. so their brains don't wake up until nine o'clock or so. And why yep. are we trying to teach them algebra and world history at seven or eight in the morning? You know, they're, they're not, they're not awake. So anyway, I, I think, you know, there's been a lot of talk listening to the science and mm-hmm. listening to, uh, you know, listen to the science, but in education, we haven't listed, listened to the science. And so yeah. I, I would encourage people to do that. Yeah, I think. I feel like education is so slow to change, right? Like we're still um, teaching the way that we were preparing children to, or, you know, adults to join the workforce when we, you know, worked in the industrial age. And that's not the case anymore. And that's still like the way that we are standardized testing them. And, um, you know, we're, we're trying to revamp the curriculum, but we're not aligning the assessments to to match the curriculum that we're revamping with like Common Core or NGSS standards, things like that. Well, and yeah. And then um, another big thing, and again, um, it's not a very popular idea, but another big thing is grading mm-hmm. and how we how we grade people, yeah. um, especially our secondary teachers. Um, are, they hold on to those a, B, C, D, F kind of grades like they're a lifeboat. Mm-hmm. And um, I am a big proponent of, um, you know, the lowest grade should be a 50. It, we, yes. should not, we should not use, <laughs> yeah. we should not use a hundred point scale. And I'm look at my kids with special needs. I, I would have kids, I would have kids that would come into me by October, so say the first semester, I mean, they would end in December or January. They would come into me in October and they would say, Mrs. Reynolds, there's no way I'm gonna pass science. I'm just not gonna do another science assignment. There's no way I can pass. And it, it was it was literally true. Yeah. Mathematically, there was no way that that child was ever going to pass hmm. from that point on in 
October until January. Yeah. He, he just, he or she just couldn't. It was usually he, yeah. but he just, he just couldn't. And so if we have 50% as the lowest, I mean, if you want to go to a hundred or yeah. from one to 50, I don't care, but most people think a hundred is great. So go 100, but go to 50 mm-hmm. and have each of those grade points be 10 points. I mean, why should an F be 50 points? Yeah. I mean, how can a kid, how can you get 10%, you know, I mean, and just mathematically, mm-hmm. you can do it out and, and see, you know, if a kid gets, um, you know, 80%, 80%, 80%, and then gets 20%, and then 80%, and a 50 here and that, I mean, it shows how much that hurts them. Yeah. And so 50% is still failing. Yeah. You know, if you go by a 60% or whatever is a, a D. So, you know, if you get a 50 points, that's still failing, mm-hmm. but you have a chance of success. And I think that that's somehow what we need to instill in our beginning teachers. And that's, yeah. that's a reason I think that I went into um, college education, into university, was so that I could help change some of yeah. those ideas. I I don't know if I did change anybody's ideas. I hope I did, but um, I wanted to at least challenge some people to not educate our future generations the way that they had been educated. Yeah, and that's you're right. Education is a huge beast, and education is so slow to change because it is so big but we need to have our new teachers teach differently. Yeah. We, they can't teach the same way that they learned or that, that their parents learned. Mm-hmm. We have to teach them differently. And I think that's where it has to start. So in higher education, did you implement this idea of uh, 50% being the lowest? Yeah. I, I would, I would challenge our teachers to think that way. Yes. Yeah. I, I was, lucky enough for probably about a couple of years to teach our freshmen. Um, we called it a, it was their first like gen ed kind of sure. um, education, teacher ed program uh, class. And so I would always challenge this idea of, um, of grades. Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting to see all the, <laughs> all the ones that were our secondary people mm-hmm. that were going into the content areas sure. um, were, uh, they just totally disagreed with yeah. this idea. And then it was, our special ed people were like, oh yeah, maybe. And mm-hmm. elementary were like, oh yeah, maybe. Mm-hmm. But it, my my, sec- my content people yeah. were, at the secondary teacher candidates were the hardest ones to convince yeah. that um, that it wasn't okay. But yeah, no, I would, I would always present that idea. And, um, and we would, we would talk about it all the way through. Yes. Yeah. I like that. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to take that from you with my students. I teach um, elementary, future elementary educators. So I think I'm going to take that practice. You know, it's interesting to do a a thing and first find out where they are, Mm -hmm. you know, just kind of have some questions, do the right and left side of the classroom kind of thing, you know, and have them go. um, And then, then, then kind of, get some of the research and get mm-hmm. some of the, you know, have a guest speaker come in, do whatever. Um, I had a high school, one of our high schools went to more of a, 
I mean, it was a weird system they did, but he went to a more um, contemporary grading system. So I had him come in and talk. And so then afterwards I had the kids then do yeah. what, how, what side do they believe in? And, you know, we had some people that we changed their minds and some people cool. that we didn't. But. I like that. I listened to a podcast a while back. Um, it was a Harvard <clears throat> professor who was the guest, but she was challenging grades and she was just discussing like the history of um, the four point scale and how arbitrary it is and how detrimental it is actually to learning because we're not really focusing on the journey of learning. We're focusing yes. on getting the grade and, you know, now grades are so inflated and students in high, in high school are taking these AP classes. So they're getting above a four point, which is like, what is that even, you know? So, um, I just, it, it helped me challenge, um, or just maybe add more support to challenging grades because I'm always telling my students, I put a lot of time in giving you feedback. That's where the learning is in your feedback. The grade is not important. And, um, you know, we're just kind of slaves to the system, unfortunately, but um, it's been a big part of my teaching philosophy too. So I'm really glad to hear you you talk about that as well. Yeah, yeah the, I... feedback, the feedback is really important mm. that they don't, I don't know, they're, yeah. they're not, our, our elementary, middle school, high school kids aren't into the, Right. Fine to the feedback thing. Fred, you want to say something? Well, I, as a as a as a high school teacher, I actually implemented that because I remember even as a high school kid, I was like, okay, if I and it and it happened to me, you know, I got like a like a twenty on one assignment, and then and so I was you know doomed for this F, um, and then and then my next paper, I got like a perfect score. And so, um, and it's, and so I would, so I challenged my teacher. I'm like, so my average is what? They're like, well, a 60. I'm like, 60. <laughs> I'm like, so is that the, so what does that mean about me? And she's like, well, you're, you know, a D person. I'm like, but that doesn't make sense. You know that I'm not a D well, but your grade, you know, says it. Mm -hmm. And so when I was, a, so when I was a high school teacher, I, I actually implemented the, you know, 50 my principle was livid right livid. and I said just give it time let's just look at um and and let me let me let me backtrack I was I was I was actually hired at mid-year for the reason that the the junior class they got rid of two two teachers wow. um and so they were a rambunctious class and blah 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 <laughs> and so I'm like you know let's just let's just play with it. And the principal was willing to do anything just to keep that class calm. Um, and yeah, kids were more receptive because they, they, they understood that, that by doing this, I was telling them that you, you actually know more than you, than you think, you know. And so when I got into teacher ed, that was, that was all that I was, that I was preaching because, because I just told them, look, if a, you know, if a kid has gone for one test and then you give them a zero and I then, and yeah. then they get a perfect score, um, on their very next test are, you know, is this kid a F person? And that's when all those little lights start to go off and they're like, Oh, I'm like, and if, you know, if, if it only takes 10 points to go from a D to a C and a C to a B, and someone gets a zero, they need 50, they need 60 points. I'm like, how equitable is this in education? Right. And, and so, and so some of my students later on were saying that they were, that, that they were implementing it and they were seeing a lot of great 
results, but they weren't telling their colleagues what they were doing. Well, and I think, yes, administration wise, you know, it's, if your administration has not instituted it, it's, it's sometimes a radical idea that people can't, I know my, you know, I mentioned my youngest son before we came on, but I know he, I challenged him last year because all of his kids were failing because they weren't turning things in. And, you know, if a student doesn't turn something in, that's a zero. I mean, how can you grade it? It it isn't anything there. Mm -hmm. And so those hurt so much in, in tabulating grades. So if you can, not take away those zeros. So he actually did it, I think, mid-semester. And so his his students were, it was an interesting endeavor. So yeah, grades, I think, are a huge thing that um, needs to change in education along with, um, you know, those other things. So yeah. Good. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Welcome. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of questions that that we could still ask, but I but I want to honor your own time. Um, one of the last questions that we that we ask all of our guests um, is, "What is your call to action?" Um, if there's if there's one thing that that you would you would wish to leave with all of our listeners, what would that be? What is your call to action? my call to action. Um, First of all, I guess I would say to all the teachers that um, might listen to this, um, to first of all, to to hang in there. (laughs) Um, Whether um, you're listening to this because you want some advice on how to get to where you're getting to, you know, these, as I mentioned before, these are tough times, but you know, every year is a tough time. So um, every year can be great and every year can be, you feel like you can't make it. So um, so hang in there. Um, my call to action would be that I hope that education can look beyond what we have been and look to what we can be I don't want to say should be because who knows what we should be, but what we can be and what we can be for our students. I think we need to, I don't know, who knows what the world needs, but I think that those that are younger than me um, can figure out what the world needs. And so I know that there are great teachers out there and and, um, those great teachers need to stay teaching every day. It's hard to get up and it's hard to have enthusiasm and it's hard to say today, I'm gonna be the best that I can be, but um, we need to do that. And so the teachers that are the best teachers, I think we older teachers, veteran teachers, whatever you wanna call us that have been here a while, we need to be the encouragers for those that are younger than us. And to say that, yes, you've been chosen. Yes, you chose this career. Yes, you're doing well. Um, Yes, you're making a difference to your kids and um, to hang in there. So I guess my call to action is just keep doing what you're doing. This is, this education is a great field. Where else can we, where else can we change the world? I yeah. mean, this is this is really what what we can, we can change the world through education, and um, and we need to do that. I love that. I love that. Thank you, 
Ruth, I learned so much from you today. So thanks so much for joining us and um, sharing your stories. And also thank you so much for all of your work and education and just impacting students and changing the world. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you.